Warning. This, 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 this is the Rich Logist Show. The content you are about to hear has been deemed dangerous and inappropriate to Democrats and Tessio Republicans. Listener discretion is advised. And now, your host and equal opportunity offender, Rich Logis. Welcome to the Rich Logis Show. I am your host, Rich Logis. I hope everybody out there is doing great on this Monday. You know, look, I, the segment I have for you today, the first segment, I, I swear I knew nothing that was about to happen with Justice Brett Kavanaugh. It, it was it was prescient. I guess I could I could think of it the George Carlin way. He used to say, "I'm a, I'm ahead of my time, but only." by an hour and a half. And so we got a Supreme Court segment for you today. We've got a second segment for you today about these so-called red flag laws. If you want to hear the best counter to the unconstitutionality of red flag laws, it's going to be in our second segment today. Again, I'm not trying to toot my own horn. Lots of great narrative out there that very clearly lays out why these so-called red flag laws are unconstitutional. I think we got the I think we're going to have the best argument against today though. And just a quick reminder, if you're not subscribed, make sure you get to the com. You got to hear our episode from Friday. Had a great episode Friday. I was talking about our version. See, we believe here at the Rich Logis Show in identity politics, and we call it America First Nationals. But you're an American. American is the identity politics we we support here. And I was talking about how the president goes into Minority groups, but especially with black Americans, he doesn't look at them based on their race. He doesn't racially pander. He doesn't look at them as a dollar sign, not as a vote. He goes and talks to them like human beings, like human beings. He stays away from all the Democrat segregationism of us versus them. And he goes and he talks to them about, uh, about their, you know, their pursuit of life, liberty, and happiness. And so we talked about that in that first segment. I also had a Tessio Republican segment, Mike Lee, the Utah senator who, you know, it's funny with these Tessios, they all find their gumption to go and criticize President Trump. But a lot of them, they were MIA with Obama. It's funny. They didn't, you know, they didn't, I, I don't know. They, they must have, they, they mustered up the courage. So happy to, so happy to, to know that they have that. So we talked about Mike Lee and the, and the border wall and President Trump for our Tessio Republican segment that we had on Friday. Make sure you check that out. We'll have a Pete Buttigieg article for you tonight. Don't worry. Got a brand new Tessio Republican for you tomorrow. So let's get right into this first segment. You guys see everything going on this weekend with Brett Kavanaugh? As Yogi Berra once said, it's deja vu all over again. And and the segment I had, I'm, I, I'm not cha- really changing what I had for you guys, as I mentioned this on Friday. So this, so I was thinking about, I've been reading these, some, some, there's been a, there was a recent case on the asylum, uh, Supreme Court made, made a ruling, I'll talk about it in a moment, and yet Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, and I'll tell you in a moment why I think this entire weekend, how it actually relates to Justice Ginsburg. And, and so even, even in the world of, of Democrat judicial activism, even some of the judicial activists on the Supreme Court are, are from time to time, they, they occasionally, even the, even the activists occasionally look at Democrat litigation as even too wacky and tyrannical for them. And I'm telling you guys right now, okay, that I'm going to incorporate what happened with Kavanaugh. I didn't have anything Kavanaugh planned, actually, for this segment, so we're running an audible along what I had prepared for you guys here, is that Democrat judicial activism, it is losing right now. The Democrats know that. See, the thing you understand about these people is that, I, you know, we meant, I make these mentions about their, you know, the freak show and their, you know, their, their loot, you know, their Pete Buttigieg, you know, he could have been a contender, but he's just a bum, you know, and I say all this about their loser narratives, but, but in reality, these, these politicians have some, I, I, I don't actually think they understand the country that they're running in for president. You know, like Bobo O'Rourke, he doesn't actually understand the country he's running. Kamala Harris, Warren, I don't think they actually know anything about the country they want to be president of but they but they also from a political sense they're not entirely clueless about why they win why they lose etc and they know now that judicial activism we are defeating it now the question for us is this though ladies and gentlemen here's here's really what it comes down to i always mention to you about fear and greed fear and greed are are the two most primitive emotions everything we do or we decide not to do 
is rooted in fear and or greed. Typically, it's one or the other that prevails, but sometimes it could be both. So our question right now, we're beating Democrat judicial activism. Yeah, that's great, Rich. That's wonderful. That's super duper. But here's really the the the, the question for all of us. Right? And we got to be honest about this question. How greedy are we now? Are we greedy to run up the score? Are we just happy to be here? You know, I know this about teams. You know, a lot of times this happens in the Super Bowl, right? When a team, first time there, they get there, and everyone, ooh, happy to be here. Here's what I know about teams that are just happy to be there. They typically lose. They actually usually don't win. So we we happy to be here. Are we satisfied with just a single win, 2016? Oh, that was a great night. You know, I relive it all. But, 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 but you know, Rich, if we can't win them all, right? So are we are we feeling that? Or are we really committed to running up the score against the Democrats and their judges? And I'm not just talking about the Supreme Court, I'm talking about in the federal judiciary as well. So last week, the Supreme Court, by a 7-2 to ruling, sided with the president on this Central American asylum case. And and what the actual ruling was, is the court ruled by 7-2 to that the Trump administration can enforce a rule that will allow our immigration authorities to quickly deny asylum requests for Central Americans who didn't first try to seek refuge in other countries that they physically passed through while making their way to the U.S. That was that's that was that's what the president that's what the Trump administration's policy was. Now, victims of trafficking are exempt. Okay, so we're, we make an exemption, which f- fine. Okay, no problem. And I'm and I'm reading this, thinking, how is that really? That's not really contra- like why is that controversial, right? But it went all the way to Supreme Court, and by a seven to two ruling, we won. Now the two act the the two judicial act. So there's four judicial activists on the Supreme Court in order of tenure. You have Justice Ginsburg, Justice Breyer, Justice Sotomayor, Justice Kagan. Well, Justices Kagan and Breyer actually sided with the originalist judges. So the so the the Democrat ideology. And litigation is is occasionally too wacky, even for the activists. And in this case, they sided with our originalist justices. But there's also other times. I could, I'm going to point out for you right here. There's some other cases where the activists, even, even they said, mm, this is a little too wacky, even for me. Not coincidentally, it was also Justices Kagan and Breyer. So they sided with us in the asylum case. And they sided with the originalist textualist justices on the Supreme Court, which, again, in order of tenure, you've got uh, Justice Thomas, you've got Justice Roberts, Justice Alito, Justice Gorsuch, and our man, Justice Kavanaugh. All over the news again. I'll get to them in a moment. So those are your originalist textualist judges. But Kagan and Breyer sided with us on the asylum case. They sided with us on the Masterpiece Cake Shop case that was last year that was a jack phillips gay 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 marriage cake case i know it's i know like this even hear this it sounds silly right you're thinking like wait well why are we having a why is there a supreme court case about a gay marriage cake well that's Dem- again like i'm saying even the activists say this is a little too out there even for me so the jack phillips case they were with us i talked about this recently at the richlogershow.com you could find it we had a segment about the maryland peace cross case that was a it's a world war one memorial in the shape of a of a of a cross of a, of a religious Christian cross. Oh my God! Take it down! Take it down! Oh my, proselytizing me everywhere! No, no, it's not. The intent wasn't real. It wasn't it? wasn't an establishment of religion with the government knows. Any common sense person knows this, whether you're Catholic or not, a Christian or not, right? And me, I'm an excommunicated Catholic. Well, Kagan and Breyer said no. The government didn't establish religion, keeping it up. But you had Ginsburg and Sotomayor. See those two? They're like. They're sort of two peas in a pod, right? If you look at Ginsburg and Sotomayor. Now, I want to play a clip for you, actually, from Justice Ginsburg recently. Now, why, now here's something else, though, that's very important to make mention. It's why I want, to, I want to reiterate the point that Democrat judicial activism, we're winning right now, ladies and gentlemen. Did you just see last week, before I get to Ginsburg in a moment, did you just see last week, we just got our 150th federal judge confirmed by virtue of our 2016 win, the true glass ceiling shattering electoral win in American history. Okay, we got it. We we just got we just got 150th federal judge. Okay, now now how it breaks down is this. 
You got the federal district courts. We got 105. We got 43 to the feather to the federal appellate courts, and you got two to the Supreme Court. Now, Justice Ginsburg, you may have seen this recently. I'm going to play a clip for you here. She was asked about the Electoral College. Now, she has made very clear that she thinks she doesn't agree with the Electoral College. She doesn't, right? Now, I don't have a problem. See, here's my, here's my, my approach on this. I don't have a problem with the judges having their own opinion. We can't expect a judge to not have an opinion about a particular issue. But like the great, late great Justice Scalia always would talk about, and Justice Gorsuch talked about in his confirmation hearings, a good judge doesn't always agree with his or her own rulings. And I think that's a, that's a, that's a, a very, that's a fair assessment on what makes a good judge. Judges are always going to have their own personal opinions, but even Justice Ginsburg last week said that abolishing the electoral college is more theoretical than reality. And she said it's a dream. This is her exact wording. It's a, it's largely a dream because our constitution is hard to amend. And then she said, I know that from experience. So even Justice Ginsburg, right, who hasn't, hasn't made a ruling on the electoral college, even she, the longest tenured member of the court, even she is publicly out there telling the Democrats, you guys, you gotta, you gotta get back into the real world sometime. And here's a clip I'll play for you where she was, she was at a, a talk uh, a couple weeks ago, Justice Ginsburg talking about the Supreme Court itself. And so let me play this clip for you right here, uh, from Justice Ginsburg. Take a listen. And, and it is distressing when the people regard the judiciary as just another political branch of government. I can say of uh, the court on which I serve that although the press tends to play up the five four divisions, we are unanimous much more often than we divide five four. Okay, now look here's here's the the actual statement she made. I actually agree with, right? The idea of looking at the court as a political body, it's not supposed to be. It's why I don't use the term liberal and conservative to describe judges in the Supreme Court justices. I use the adjectives activists, like we're talking about today, or originalists or textualists, right? And originalism and textualism are are, are relatively the same type of, of jurisprudence as it comes to constitutional law, just interpreting statutes and, and, and the text and the intent of the laws as opposed to the activists who interpret laws based on what they want them to mean. So even Justice Ginsburg, right, talking about the Electoral College, saying, look, that's the system by which the president is elected. You know, to, to quote Justice Scalia, who was always asked about the Bush versus Gore case, to quote Justice Scalia, get over it. That's what the law is. That's what the system is. We are not a pure democracy, thank God. So even even a justice like like Justice Ginsburg said that. And her 9-0 comment, I, I was actually, I, did, I went and looked up the since 2000, actually. So almost 20 years of Supreme Court rulings. And it is actually, she is actually correct. A unanimous decision has been more likely than any other result. 36% of all decisions at the U.S. Supreme Court since the year 2000 were unanimous. And even when the court didn't reach a unanimous judgment, you had seven to two or eight to one, 15% of the time in decisions since the year 2000. And the five, four decisions, they were almost 20% of all cases. Now, look, here's the thing. 20% may not sound like a lot, but when you really actually look at those cases, especially in the modern era, if you look at that percentage, I the 20% is enough to take notice because as much as I'm saying, yes, yeah, some of the activists... Some of the activists sometimes side with us because they look at some of the litigation and say that's that's even too bizarre for me. There is a, there are some significant cases where, by virtue of our 2016 win, we had a number of five four wins. So the National Emergency Declaration re- regarding reallocating funds from the Department of Defense to the wall that was five four. The travel moratorium case last year, the Muslim ban. It wasn't a Muslim ban. Everybody was banned. So if you want to say it's a Muslim ban, you got to say it's a Muslim, a Christian, a Jewish, 
an atheist, it's a Buddhist ban. Everyone who sits under the Bodhi tree, they were banned also. It's not a Muslim ban. That's just a that's just a Democrat and D Mike Democrat meaning industrial complex narrative. That's all just a lie. It's just a debunked conspiracy theory. Travel moratorium case, five four. There was a union case, the Yanush Union case last year, which overturned a forty one year old case. That was five four. In that case, in simple terms, Supreme Court said, Hey, look, if a union member doesn't want his union dues going to a a, a political campaign or a politician he disagrees with, the union shouldn't be able to send his dues there. Okay, that, that, again, why is that 5-4? That sounds like common sense to me. That was a 5-4. You had also another case. It was the National Institute of Family and Life Advocates versus Xavier Becerra, the Attorney General of California. That was 5-4. That was a ruling last year as well, where, again, in simple terms, you have these, you have these NIFLA uh, Christian private pregnancy centers, women health centers, and the state of California wanted to compel them into, into advertising the option of abortion. And this, these private Christian clinics said, no, we're not going to do that. It's against our religion. We're not going to, we're not going to advocate for abortion. We're not going to give that as a choice. We're not, we're, we, we are choosing to exercise our right to not say that in free speech. And it was 5-4. Now, again, you think of these cases and think, why are these, how silly is all of this that it's actually gone to the Supreme Court? But in reality, ladies and gentlemen, you know, it, I say it's silly, but on the other hand, it, and I'm going to talk about this in our second segment today, Red Flag Laws, just because something doesn't actually directly affect you, doesn't, this is an argument I have all the time, people who don't vote, just because something doesn't affect you doesn't, doesn't, doesn't mean, it doesn't make it any less unjust, right? Just doesn't make it any less unjust. If you disagree with a Jack Phillips or you disagree with the emergency declaration, you disagree with the travel moratorium case, that's fine. It's your opinion. But that's not the way we're supposed to look at legal statutes. And I'm going to tell you something this. I'm going to tell you guys this, okay? I'm going to make a point about Kavanaugh and Justice Sonia Sotomayor. So let me me just preface by saying this point. I, I sometimes see on our side, the way that some of us, uh, not you guys out there, I know not, not, not you. Okay. Right. We're, we're a civil group here at the Ritz Logis show. We're civil. We're civil, but I see it out there sometimes with this whole waiting for the waiting for justice Ginsburg to die. Stop with that. That's that. Stop. Listen, stop with that. You know, I, look, I, this, my, my, my mother died of cancer recently. And I know that, I, I watched what that does, and whatever my opinion of Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, and listen, as a judge, I'm very honest about this. I've never publicly shied away from this. As a judge, I don't, I, I don't, I don't hold her rulings in high regard. But as a person, as a woman, as a human being, I look at some of these. I look at not just our side, right? But I look at these Democrats talk about her, and and we're going to give my rib, and I'm going to give my kidney, and and let's clone her. And I'm just sitting here like it's so disgusting. Just let the woman who's also a widow, like, just let her, let her live out, you know, which again, I wish no ill will, but just let her live in dignity. And if, and if her illness has come back, like we know it, like we know it has, but, but if, if it continues to progress, just, just let her, let her live the twilight of her life in dignity. And I got to tell you something, and I'm not a tinfoil hat guy. Okay. Let me just say, my tinfoil hat's over at the dry cleaner, along with my book of Deuteronomy quoting miter hat. But I, I, I got this feeling, I don't know, it's just an instinctual feeling I have that everything going on with Kavanaugh now, the, the new allegations, which again, it's all bull. It's all bull. All these new allegations. I, I've, I've got a feeling it has something to do with a potential pending retirement announcement from Justice Ginsburg. I, just my, just my thought on it. And again, I'm, I'm not, look, let me be clear. I'm not trying to be a hypocrite here. I'm not sitting here going, oh, I, let's wait for her to, you know, let's wait, let's count the days until she's out and she does. No, stop that. Stop doing that. Please don't do that. Stupid. Please just don't do it. So I'm not doing that. I am not doing that, but I think this has something to do with it. And if you add that, if you add the fuel to the fire, like I said at the outset, Democrat judicial activism is in fact losing maybe, maybe I'm pro look, I'm probably wrong on that, but I think it's got something to do with Justice Ginsburg. But I'll play a clip right here and I'm going back 10 years on, actually, excuse me, I'm going back, back even longer than 10 years when current Justice Sonia Sotomayor was a federal judge. You want to talk about activism? Take a look, take a listen to this clip. 
when she was a federal judge before the Supreme Court, Sonia Sotomayor. It is very important when you judge to recognize that you have to stay impartial. That's what the nature of my job is. I have to unhook myself from my emotional responses and try to stay within my unemotional objective persona. That process can be very weighty at times, so certainly can be very awe-inspiring in others. You know, Sotomayor has always, just as Sotomayor, she's always had this part of her, her persona, her brand. Now, be impartial, be objective. Look, I want to, this is perhaps a bold statement, but I think Justice Sotomayor is, is arguably just as dangerous as any justice in the history of the Supreme Court. I, I actually really believe that, even more than Justice Ginsburg, I re- more than Kagan, more than Breyer. I actually really believe that. And I read her, I read her dissent in the recent asylum case. And you, and as I was reading it, and again, I try to be objective about these cases also, right? I, I, I have a desired end result, but I, I also try to look at it like, okay, let's really look at the facts here and, and, and let's look at what actually happened, what the laws, what the intent is, what the statutes are. And, and, I, and I was reading her dissent from the asylum case, and I have to tell you, it read, it read just like it was written by Saul Alinsky. I actually mean that. I really think, I'm reading this thinking it's exactly what a Saul Alinsky would write. But then you think about the, then you think about it, is it really that coincidental that we would think that because Justice Sotomayor was nominated by President Obama, who of course was a, was an acolyte and idolized Saul Alinsky. So the birds, the birds of the feather as of the same feather as the old saying goes, the birds of the same feather, they also flock together. And it's why I'm saying to you guys right now as we go to 2020, when it comes to the activists, we got them on the court. Uh, uh, when we got them, the activists on the court, we got them on the ropes. They know that, ladies and gentlemen. It's why they're going nuts right now over these new, new quote-unquote BS Kavanaugh allegations. It's all, they're all lies. They're all lies. All the so-called allegations they were shopped around during the confirmation hearings. All the bull from this weekend was shopped around last year, which if it, which if, if that's true and it does look like it is, it means the Democrats and the DMIC Democrat media industrial complex intentionally held on to them. And I just think so, I just think all of this, it's got something to do with Justice Ginsburg, which again, I'm going to be clear, I'm not sitting here ho- hoping that she passes away. Ho- not, don't do that. It's creepy. It's dumb. It's not... It's not, you know, we shouldn't, we should not be engaged. That's what Democrats do. We should not be engaging in that. But it shows you guys the 2016 win, what it, what it resulted in, what it's going to keep resulting in. Do you know, it's as important as the Supreme Court is. The federal court, honestly, is just as important because the Supreme Court, it hears fewer, there are almost 8,000 cases that are filed with the Supreme Court for consideration. Fewer than 2% are heard which means that the U.S. Court of Appeals, the Federal Court of Appeals, the appellate courts are usually the final arbiter on most federal cases. And we are we are getting judges on the district and appellate courts. We're getting them confirmed at a record pace, ladies and gentlemen. So I know where the president's coming from. You ask about you ask about if the president feels some greed right now in reforming our judiciary back to the kind of judiciary the founders intended it to be textualist and originalist. I know the president is feeling that greed right now. Question is, are we feeling the greed? See, we got them on the ropes. The Democrat activists, they are losing. Are we happy to be here? Or are we going to look to are we going to look to run up the score? There's two mentalities. There's playing not to there's there's the playing not to lose or there is the playing to win big, to continue reforming our judiciary, ladies and gentlemen, at the federal and Supreme Courts. There's only one stratagem, in my opinion, and that is to play to win and win big and run up that score as high as we can. As hard as it is to get momentum, and it's tough, in my opinion, it's harder to sustain it 
sustainability is the only way that we continue to run up this score. You're listening to The Ritz Logis Show. We'll be right back. Here is this week's American Hero. Welcome back to The Ritz Logis Show. You guys know we do this American Hero segment every episode because there's so many around us who say that America was never a great nation. We believe that is a bunch of BS. Got a story about a hero's hero for you today. You know, some said of John Vigiano Sr. that if a storybook hero had ever existed, that person would be he. A Deer Park, New York native, Vigiano was born in 1938. At age 15, he enlisted in the New York National Guard. Three years later, he enlisted in the United States Marine Corps, where he served for six years as a sergeant. In 1962, Vigiano joined the ranks of the New York City Fire Department as a firefighter for Ladder Company 103. He would eventually make rank as lieutenant and later as captain of Ladder Company 176. It's estimated that Vigiano fought over 3,000 blazes until his retirement in 1998. In addition to fighting fires and saving an estimated 25 lives during his tenure, Vigiano was instrumental in the development of several operational procedures for the department. He was not only influential to the thousands of firefighters he worked with, he also influenced his only children, his two sons, Joe and John Jr., to pursue careers in public service. In the 1990s, Joe joined the New York City Police Department as a detective, and John followed his father's footsteps into the New York City Fire Department. Vigiano's sons were both killed in the September 11, 2001 Islamic supremacist terrorist attacks. At last week's anniversary memorial, President Trump honored his sons, as well as John Sr. himself, who died in July of 2018 at age 80. Vigiano spent much of his retirement working on behalf of wounded firefighters, veterans, and their loved ones, as well as various September 11th charities. This past May, Vigiano was immortalized in his hometown when a street was named in his honor. On hand were his widow, family members, and fellow New York City firefighters. At the ceremony, he was remembered for equal parts physical, mental, and spiritual strength that he exhibited day in and day out during his time in public service and during his retirement. In this week's American Hero segment, the Ritz Logis Show proudly recognizes New York City Fire Department Captain John Vigiano Sr. for his service to his nation and to his city. We also remember his two sons who died in the 9-11 terrorist attacks. Vigiano embodied the true greatness of the greatest generation. His job description was to protect his neighbors and keep them safe. He's one of the heroes who make America great. You're listening to The Rich Logist Show. We'll be right back. The Rich Deemed dangerous and inappropriate to Democrats and Tessio Republicans. Welcome back to the Ritz Logist Show, guys. I got to tell you, last week I was I was really I was glued to glued to a lot of the the ceremonies and and watching just so many of the loved ones, law enforcement, firefighters, national tributes. You guys see the the gentleman in New York City whose mother died in uh, the World Trade Center, and he was wearing a some people did something shirt, and he directly called out Ilhan Omar at the event. I thought, man, that guy, see, that's a guy right there. That's a guy with gumption. That's a guy right there. See, that's the kind of guy right there. That's a guy I want on the team right there, that kind of guy. And he's right. He's correct. Today, I was reading Ilhan Omar is going on her social media account talking about we need to impeach Brett Kavanaugh. And I'm sitting there thinking, you know, it's it's not coincidental that the same woman who who considers the 3,000 plus deaths of innocence from Islamic supremacist terrorism, she considers that equal to a fly in her Chardonnay. Well, it's not coincidental that she thinks we should also impeach Justice Kavanaugh and, of course, impeach the president. So that's what I said in the first segment, guys, about activism versus what the law is. You look at these people here, you look at the way these Democrats think. I say it to you all the time, ladies and gentlemen. I keep saying it to you over and over and over again. And if you get bored with it, it means you're not paying close enough attention. These people, their their political education, their upbringing, it's an amalgam of the worst ideologies in in the history of the world. doesn't matter where it's been. 
Doesn't matter whatever ism you want to put in there. That's what it is. It's a, it's a, in the, in the, in the Union of Soviet Socialist Republics, Joseph Stalin's head of the police state was a guy named Lavrenti Beria. And Beria is the one who, who coined the famous, he, he, he's the one who quoted, it comes from he, show me a man and I'll show you his crime. That's exactly, that's not, now there's no, there, there's, that's right there. That's in simple terms. That's your guilty before proven innocent. But what's actually even, what's actually even frightening about these Democrats is they don't even, they don't even believe in giving someone a chance to prove his or her innocence. You're just guilty, period. And that's exactly what Lavrenti Beria meant. That's what happened in the Soviet Union. That's exactly what occurred there. Show me a man and I'll show you his crime. And speaking of, show me a man and I'll show you his crime. Ladies and gentlemen, let me say something. I'm going to, I don't, look, our production team and, and, and we here, we work every day for you guys to put together content analysis, four dimensional. We don't think you're hearing from anyone or anywhere else. There's always something going on in the background. You know, there's what you see, third dimension, but there's always another, that fourth dimension right after that. And something's occurring there. We look to bring it to the forefront because it's really that fourth dimension. That's really what the story's about. The issue is never the issue. So I just, I want to say, not to toot my own horn here, but the second segment for you today, so I want to talk about show me a man, I'll show you his crime. You want to show, you want to talk to him and say, well, Rich, what about these red flag laws? Okay, I'm in Florida. We've We've got them here. I'll talk about it in a moment. This right here, this segment, I believe, I believe is, the, is singularly the best counter argument that you will hear to these red flag laws. And there's, look, again, there's others out there. You know, I heard Tucker give one. Excellent. Excellent. Def- but I, I think what we got here, I think the way we put it all together for you, it, you're, you're going to hear it and you're going to think, man, it's, here's, here's, a, here's how I'll, exp- with no legal training or acumen, let me let me tell you right up front about red flag laws. Remember, remember all you know that saying, if something is if something seems too good to be true, it usually is. Yep. That's that's what I consider red flag laws. They're too good to be true. And we all know something is too good to be true. It usually is. Now the president is supposed to be announcing some proposed gun control measures. If I had the president's ear, and the president has been great on the Second Amendment, okay? There's been some areas, and again, we, we doesn't mean just because we're, you know, look, we're on board here, okay, with the president. We're going to work to get him reelected because it's important to, for us to continue everything we've done. Just listen to our first segment today about Supreme Court and federal judges, okay? I mean, amongst other issues. So don't worry, we're, gonna, we're here. But, but the president, you know, there's been some areas, particularly with due process, where I, I feel like, you know, maybe he got some bad advice, right? You know, maybe he got some, maybe he got some counsel and, and, and it, I, this, this concept to take the guns due process later, that is not, that is not how the constitution works. And, and, and so the president has to understand on this issue that he is what I call, he's walking into a bear trap on a field of landmines. And the president has expressed support for these so-called red flag laws. And it's very dangerous territory because it's Democrat rules. It's their game, their rules on their field. Now, look, I'm going to trust the president because he's earned our trust. Okay. He has earned our trust. But I got to tell you, he's got a lot of Republic. I know he's got a lot of Republicans whispering into his ear regarding this red flag, these red flag laws. So let's break down again, Rich. What's the argument, right? I know what the argument for it is. And the argument for it is this if it saves just one life, it's worth it. But let me say something about that. Okay. And let me, and a preface by saying every single person I know who's a gun owner, every person I know who's a conce- legal concealed carry gun owner, none of them, not a single one of them wants guns in the hands of people who shouldn't have them. Why? Because if they're ever, God forbid, out in a public setting and someone who shouldn't have it has got it, 
while the people who are concealed carrying are the ones in the first line of defense. So the people are the people who are the most pro-safety. This is all a lie that you hear from the Democrats in the D-Mike Democrat media industrial complex. There is no wild, wild west with gun owners. I'm not saying there aren't certain individuals in there who have... Yeah, that's true. That's true of anything. The vast majority don't want guns in the hands of people who shouldn't have them. So this, if it saves just what everyone wants lives saved, every reasonable person wants lives saved. No reasonable person wants to hear about something that happened at a school or happened at a, at a, at a, at a, at a, at a shop or a Walmart or wherever, or a bar or wherever it may happen or a movie theater. No one. But ladies and gentlemen, if it saves just one life is not constitutionally sufficient. It isn't. It's, and the reason it isn't is because here at the Ritz Loja Show, we are we believe in upholding the rule of law. Okay, and I'll talk in a moment about the rule of law as it applies to red flag gun guns and those who shouldn't have, etc. But we here at the Ritz Loja Show, we uphold the rule of law. Okay, we believe that. And we do believe that there are that that laws can have the 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 necessary intent of being deterrence, punishments, etc. But we prescribe here to the Jeffersonian concept that we prefer dangerous freedom over peaceful slavery. And if it saves just one life, it is not constitutionally sufficient. Here in the state of Florida, and I don't proclaim to be an expert in all states, here in the state of Florida, there are already, there are already laws in place that prohibit those under a restraining order, those adjudicated mentally ill. We have something called the Baker Act here. It's over 40 years old. Courts can issue restraining orders. They can then issue search and seizure warrants for those under an active restraining order to seize firearms. These all exist. Oh, but Rich, the state doesn't really seem to be doing a great job. The federal government doesn't really seem to be doing a great job on all this. Let's say for argument's sake that's true. You just negated your very own logic of why you need a red flag law, and I'll explain to you why. If you're saying to me that the state, that the federal government is failing in the enforcement of current laws, then why are we to sit back as law-abiding Americans and give the state that you just admitted failed, why are you going to give them more power through more laws? Explain this to me. And the answer is, see, right there, see what I just said to you right there, that right there is the Achilles heel of it all. Because if you are deemed adjudicated mentally ill, which means you've gone through due process, if you have an active restraining order, which means there's been due process, and there's a variety of different restraining orders, the courts then, the courts then demand, they demand a, that you have to then turn in your firearms. That's what it is. It's gone through a process of all of this. So if someone is going to say to me, especially in the state of Florida, that the state fails on this and the state fails on that. So excuse me. So your, so your response is to give the state more power through more laws. Ladies and gentlemen, the more laws that exist, the more it infringes upon law abiding Americans. And you know, there's something in philosophy called the Hegelian dialect and what it is is this and I'll, I'll i'll it's not it wasn't originally written about democrats but it's there's a there's a formula and the formula is you have antithesis antithesis you have antithesis plus the thesis equals the synthesis and i'll explain to you how democrats do this on guns and how some republicans are on board with this and i'll play you a clip in a moment so what happens to democrats is this or so there's all these laws right so you have all these laws florida here baker act there's already a restraining order law. You got to turn the guns in. You know, all, all of this exists already. But then the state fails to enforce the existing laws. They fail to enforce the existing laws. So the state fails. Democrats fail. Then they swoop in as the saviors. And they come in as the saviors and they say, oh, we'll solve the problem. We'll remedy the problem. And then people out there, right, who are maybe good, you know, they're good-hearted people, but they're unsuspecting. They don't, they don't want to keep hearing about shootings. I understand that. They don't want to hear about these tragedies. So these unsuspecting people hear these Democrats swoop in as the saviors. And then they say, oh, we've got the solution. What's that? More laws. Oh, that'll do it. Let's give more laws. So Democrats fail. Then they come in as the saviors. They say we need more laws. Then those laws 
fail because they're not enforced because you just said the state fails already. And then after the after the next level of continued failure, then the then they come back in again and they say, well, since that continues to fail, we're just going to keep putting in laws until you have none of the freedom left. That's how these people think, ladies and gentlemen. But here's what's gotten me keeping me up at night about it. There's Republicans on board with this. There are in one of my my own one of my my two senators, Rick Scott and Rubio, are on board. And I and and here and look, I think Rick Scott was a good governor overall. And Rubio, you know, I, you know, we got a Tessio Tuesday coming up. Wink, wink. I you know I don't want to give it away. I don't want to give it away. But you know, wink, wink on Senator Rubio. I try to like the guy, man. I, I sometimes I hear him. I like what I hear. Other times I hear what he's saying and I cringe. I cringe because I hear a lot of this. I don't want to take a side crap and compromise and bipartisan. I did a segment last week. Bipartisanship is the gateway drug to tyranny. So, so if we have bipartisan agreement on red flag, red flag laws. Excuse me, Senator Rubio. That still don't make them any more constitutional. It doesn't. Understand? So here's Marco Rubio talking about red flag laws just from last week. Take a listen. Because today, if you identify someone as dangerous, you can't do anything about the guns or the weapons they have until they commit a crime. Meaning, so what, the way this would work, how it works in Florida, is you have to go before a judge. It can only be a family member or someone who lives with you or law enforcement. You have to prove to a judge that this individual is a danger and you have to meet a certain standard. And then they can issue a court order, which can't be any longer than a year. And you have to go back again next year. Okay, for, first off, Senator... That's actually not true. Just for the out, I just outlined the reasons. There are numerous ways. You, I mean, there's nothing you can do about it. It's actually not true. That's actually not correct. Now, if you want to say we should do more, that's fine. You can say that. But don't come into me. Don't start your argument. Marco, what's your case? What are you selling? Red flag laws. Oh, what's your opening sales pitch? There's nothing I could do. There's nothing we could do. Wrong. That's not correct. It just isn't right. See, what Senator Rubio, see, I think he's, Here's what I think Senator Rubio's problem is. Okay. And, and it's, and it's all, and it's all these Republicans who's, who's, who are, and, and, you know, maybe it's unfair to say, oh, but Rich, you know, you disagree with them on this one issue. Is why, you know, why would you call him a Tessio? Why would you say it's a, you know, Lindsey Graham, right? A guy who's been a great ally for the president. He, he's, he's on board with this. When it comes to this issue, for some reason, I, you know, I don't know what it is, but for some reason with this issue, the Republicans cheerleading this have forgotten that the, the, the best and most harmonious relationship between people, the, 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 right, between we the people and the government, it is, it, is, it is at its most harmonious and its most stable when the government fears the people. When the government fears the people, that's when the relationship is at its happiest and its most harmonious. So if we want to have a discussion about how to keep firearms out of the hands of people who shouldn't have them, I'm game. I'm with you. Let's have a discussion. But you can't lead. You can't come in selling the goals of everything that the Democrats sell. Democrats have three goals. What have I told you before? Take our children. Take our money. Take our freedoms. There are already cases in Florida since Rick Scott signed the red flag law a year and a half ago, there are already cases of abuse. There are already cases of mistaken identity. There are two other states that have had red flag laws for a long time. Indiana is one of them. Was just reading some of the some of the cases of abuse in Indiana, where I've read I've read various statistical reports. Some say twenty five percent, some say thirty five percent, but twenty five, thirty, thirty five percent of cases of the of the red flag uh, claims in Indiana have turned out to be abuse or mistaken identity. See, again, dangerous freedom is what we we believe in here over peaceful slavery. And when you create more and more and more laws on top of the laws that haven't been enforced properly, then all you're doing is creating more and more government overreach into our lives that is expressly forbidden by the Constitution, ladies and gentlemen, it is express. Oh my God, you have blood on your hand. That's a lie. Stop. That's all bull. You hear a lot from these Democrat freaks about how they're going to confiscate firearms from law-abiding Americans, but I don't hear a singular statement from any of the freaks how they're going to take guns away from criminals. And if you notice with the gun control topic, 
All the Democrats do is bounce around from topic to topic. They talk about AR-15s, and then they talk about misdemeanor stalking, and then they talk about predictive future be- predictive future behavior. Show me a man, and I'll show you his crime. No matter how many lingual gymnastics Marco Rubio or other Republicans in in in, in that nationwide, no matter how many wing, no matter how much they want to use those fancy law degrees and those debate skills, no matter how much they want to try to use on us, it still don't change the fact that these laws, by their vert, by their very existence, means that even if they don't actually affect me or you, the fact is we have to live under the tenets of these laws and these red flag laws are in no way, shape, or form, in my opinion, constitutional. The Democrats know that they're not. My question for the Republicans is, why are you selling Why are you selling a Democrat policy? You weren't elected to give the Democrats what they want? And again, this is, I, it doesn't mean I can't be reasonable on this issue. I've said many, many times before, even though background checks... In the pers- when you look at proportionally to the amount of background checks that are run and how many firearms are sold, background checks are largely ineffective. Now, having said that, I am not advocating abolishing them. Leave them in place. Rich, we got to add to them. No problem. I've already given you my tenets why we got to add. I've got five upfront requirements. I've given those requirements to you guys. Do you actually know what the form, the ATF uh, background check form, do you, actually, do you actually know what's on it? Do you have any idea what's actually on that form? Do you do you acknowledge that it's never been harder to purchase a firearm from a dealer? Do you understand the burden of proof? The onus is on you who's pitching the change, not on me who's not pitching it. Do you know that two-thirds of all gun-related deaths are suicides, which is a public health crisis, ladies and gentlemen. I'm not saying it isn't, but someone's suicidal tendencies are, have nothing to do with my constitutional liberties. They don't. And then number five, do you know where the vast majority of gun crime, gun-related crime actually occurs? It occurs in cities run by Democrats for tens of thousands of consecutive days. If you don't know all five of them, I'm not interested. I'm not interested. Because all you're doing is regurgitating, all you're doing is regurgitating all the creepy kid activists, debunked lies, mids, and, and conspiracy theories of uh, the, the creepy kid activists, Democrat media industrial complex, Mike Bloomberg, all these people. I'm not interested. Don't care. I don't care what you think. Because all you're doing is lying. So you want to keep people safe? Let's keep it. Let's have, let's have an actual discussion. Let's have an intelligent discussion about it, not one that is CNN's talking points. So I, I, I don't know where this is going to go, ladies and gentlemen. I know in the state of Florida here, we've got these so-called red flag laws, but we already had laws in place, and we're already seeing a year and a half into the red flag laws. You've got a case in Orlando I've read about. You've got mistaken identity. I'm reading about these cases. They're happening. And the reason they're happening is because the more government expands, the more freedom is restricted and constricts back. That's what that's what happens in big government. Big government by its nature is anti-constitutional. Big government by its nature is tyrannical. And that's what the Democrats seek to do. The end game of it all, ladies and gentlemen, the end game of it all is for them to swoop in and say the only remedy to the so-called gun violence problem is nobody has any guns. And I'll say to you again, like I said time and time again, whether it comes, whether it's the Second Amendment, red flag laws, the cherished right we have, a due process, I'll say to these people what I say time and time again, and I will always say, Malone Lave, you are not, you do not, we do not, and should not live in fear of government. Government should live in fear of us. That's when the relationship between the people and the government is at its best. The Rich Show.com. Welcome back to the Rich Logis Show, guys. Look, what can I say? You know, I've said this before on the show that when when we started this show, it was really as a you know, I've got a great production team here, and we got our first book coming out next year, 10 Warning Signs Your Child is Becoming a Democrat, and our production team, you know, sat us down. We all sat down together and said, look, man, we should do a show, you know, do podcasts." but I said, oh, what's, what's that? You know, I, what, I've heard of podcasts, like, what, what are those, you know? You know, and so we did it, you know, we came out, and so when I, when we really first started, we, we were very youth issue centered, and we're still that, trust me, we're still that. I believe 80 to 90% of the problems in the country right now have to do with youth upbringing. I actually really believe that. I, I think it's actually that high. It's it's in the 80s, the 90s. The, I always say the war is really won or lost within the four walls 
of the home. All these issues we talk about in the Rich Lodges show, whether it's guns, whether it's the cities, you know, whether we're talking about judicial activism, I really believe that 80 to 90% is youth-related and the war is won or lost in the four walls of the home. And it's why it's one of the, as we say in politics, it's one of the hills we're willing to die on. And that's it for us with our youth. But the Second Amendment issue, you know, it's one that I just intuitively stumbled into. And and what gets me, I, I, I think what just gets me kept, what keeps me up at night, you know, what, what we're, it, it, it's like the fundamental transformation, the defibula. I always joke when I hear fundamental transformation, it takes a village and democratic socialism. I need a defibrillator. What I've discovered with the Second Amendment is this. And it's true of all the other constitutional liberties, but but none like the Second Amendment with the Democrats. Their bloodthirst, the bloodthirst that these people have, the Democrats, for, for, for infringing upon people's freedoms, for getting people to live in fear of the government. I think it most man the bloodthirst most manifests itself on the Second Amendment. And 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 it's true on others. I'm not saying it ain't, but it's it's mo it's most visible, it's most apparent and most obvious, in my opinion, and the least subtle on the Second Amendment. So it's why you you show you tell people today the red flag laws, your government wants more power. When I'm already hearing people say that the state is already failing, you know, Nicholas Cruz, I'll leave you with this point here because I just picked up Andrew Pollock's book. We're going to have an interview with him coming up. And I'm going to do a book review, actually, on Andrew Pollock's new book, The Dad from, from Parkland. You know, you talk about it, someone, you look, at a, you look at someone like Nicholas Cruz of Parkland, if there was ever someone for whom a red flag law was designed for, it was Nicholas Cruz. And in the most obvious case in the history of America, the Democrats and Broward still failed in the most obvious case ever. They still failed in Broward at the FBI, Robert Runcie in the school district. So if they failed on the most obvious case, now we've given them more, we're going to give them more power when they failed on the most obvious. If they haven't, if they didn't do it right on the most obvious case, how are they going to handle it? on those cases that aren't so obvious. To the Democrats, they don't care that your due process, that your Second Amendment rights are infringed upon because they want you subservient today and living in fear of them. That is not what the Rich Logis Show believes. We believe that it is best when the, see, when the, when the government fears the people, there is an abundance of liberty. And that is what we are ultimately about here at the Rich Logis Show. Make sure you guys check out our newsletter tonight. We're going to have that Pete Buttigieg article. We're going to run it one more time for you, but don't worry. We'll have a new article coming out this week. You'll see it's going to be a good one. And be sure to be on the lookout tomorrow for our Tessio Tuesday video series here at the Rich Logis Show. And if you're not subscribed, make sure you get to the, <clears throat> excuse me, the RichLogisShow.com. All of our pack, podcast articles, social media, everything is there. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, what a show today. Thank you. As always, I'm humbled. And I am honored. Until next time, I'm your host, Rich Logis. You've been listening to The Rich Logis Show. Talk to you guys soon. You have been listening to The Rich Logis Show. Deemed dangerous and inappropriate to Democrats and Tessio Republicans. To continue the conversation, connect with Rich on Twitter at Rich Logis. Make sure to subscribe and never miss an episode.